Hey guys, and welcome to the uh, second episode. Uh, we're getting into unit two with this uh, <clears throat> this podcast. Um, we're going to break unit two down into uh, three parts. So I'm going to do Congress today, uh, do President another time, and uh, the bureaucracy, and then also we'll do the Supreme Court. Uh, try and keep them all short so that you're not having to spend too much time in uh, unit two. But this is the largest part of your uh, AP test. It's going to be where most of the not most, but uh, percentage-wise, uh, it's the largest part of your test. Um, it's you know, according to the College Board people and with the redesign, uh, it's going to be anywhere from 25 to 36 percent of your test. So these first two units are the big ones. Okay, uh, but let's get going with Congress and, and the content that you got to know for Congress. Uh, the first part is just the kind of the nuts and bolts of Congress. And um, how it works. Remember, we have a two-house legislature. Uh, the Senate is based on equality, so every state has two representatives or two senators, excuse me. Uh, and then the House is based on population. So the larger you are, the more people you have, uh, the more representation you're going to have. California has the most with 55, excuse me, 53 representatives. Uh, Texas is pretty close with 36. Uh, New York's large, Florida's large. They all have uh, lots of population, so they have the most representation. Um, they are set up, and remember that the House, since they're based on population, this is the one that's based on districts, okay? So uh, representative from um, our state and our county, um, Gwinnett's pretty much his own district, along with a few little areas of Forsyth and some other places, uh, makes up a district. And so the constituency uh, is represented. Uh, you have a smaller population that you're having to represent versus the senator who's having to represent the whole state. So a much larger population to represent and also a much larger geographic region. So it gets a little difficult. You know, Gwinnett, um, you can really gear your, your legislation and your committee work uh, to what's best for your, your one constituency. Uh, whereas the state and the senators, uh, they have a wide array. You know, just think about here in Georgia, you have the, the rural population that has needs. And then you also have the metro areas that, uh, that have their own certain needs. So it gets a little bit uh, tough for senators to represent everybody. <coughs> Excuse me. Um, coalitions in Congress, they're called caucuses. Um, it's just made up of the different groups of uh, House members and senators. Uh, they can be along race, geographic areas. Uh, any number of things, uh, and they can get affected by their term terms. Um, you know, the, the Senate they got six years, so they have a while to, to work. Versus the House, where you only got two years. So uh, you might be involved in something, and then you're out of a out of a job. So uh, that's affected there. Uh, they have enumerated powers. They have implied powers uh, on both sides. It's just Congress as a whole. Remember the enumerated powers we talked about in the constitutional underpinning stuff. Uh, enumerated powers are going to be those powers that are spelled out, written. Implied are going to be the ones that where they kind of they they're not spelled out, but they interpret the Constitution to say, "Hey, we can do this." Uh, some of the enumerated powers they have would be the coining of money, uh, taxes, revenue, raising revenue, uh, things like that, uh, declaring war, maintaining the armed forces. Uh, there's um, those are some of the main ones. Alrighty. Um, the structure of the Senate and the House is different. Okay, you need to, to keep that in mind. Um, both sides are going to rely on committee work. 
just because there's so much stuff out there that they're having to do. There's so much legislation that's that's you know, coming through both the House and the Senate. Uh, and they have other responsibilities along with legislative stuff. They have the oversight that they have to do. Uh, so they're going to rely heavily on the committees. So let's talk about committees for just a moment. Remember, you have a couple of different committees. You got standing committees, uh, which is most typically probably going to what's going to be show up on your test. Uh, those are the ones that are permanent. And from term to term, from session to session, they're going to go from, you know, they'll be there. They'll be there. So there's a the rules committee on the House side was created way back in 17. 90 something, and it's still around today. It has changed a little bit. It wasn't as powerful as, as it is today back then, but it's it's still there. So it's going to be there from session to session. And they, they have several permanent committees. Uh, then you've got your um, conference committee. Remember, that only happens uh, when a bill is passed on the House side and then it passes on the Senate side and they're different. Then they're going to meet up to discuss and decide how can they work out the differences. So let's say it's a, a budgetary thing. The House said let's spend $10 million on this thing, this item. The Senate said let's spend 20 Let's get together and let's sort this thing out. And maybe we come to an agreement that's going to be $15 million. So that's a conference committee. And then you got the select and joint. Uh, select can be permanent. They're on both sides. Okay. Uh, there's a couple the select committee on aging uh, has been around for a while. It could go away at any point. Uh, but they're created to to study or to for some for some purpose that kind of pops up that maybe is out of the purview of the uh, standing committee. And then the joint committee is going to be something from both sides. And it's usually a research thing. Uh, and they're going to present something to the the uh, to the public. OK, so those are the four types of committees. Uh, once again, all that's where the work takes place. If you're wanting to see Congress at work, you need to go to a committee meeting. If you go to a general session of the House or a general session of the Senate, you're not going to see a lot of action there. Uh, the stuff's going to be taking place in the committees. That's where they work on the bills. Remember, a bill is introduced, and then it goes right to a committee. And it goes to a standing committee. Whichever, if it's an education bill, it's going to go to the education committee. If it's an environmental bill, it's going to go to the environmental committee. If it's something that's random that doesn't really have a standing committee, uh, then they're going to put it in the closest one. So it's going to go there. That's where they're going to work on it. Remember, they're going to break off into subcommittees. <clears throat> Excuse me. And they'll mark it up, make changes to it. They'll have a vote. Then it'll go to the full committee where they can still make changes to it. They'll have a vote. If they vote favorably, then it goes to the full House with the full Senate for discussion and debate and vote there. Okay. If they vote against it, well, uh, a lot of times it's going to die there. Okay. Uh, and remember, that's what happens to most bills is they get to committees and uh, they just never see the light of day from the committees. They they go there and they, they die a slow, painful death. Uh, just the end of the session happens. Nothing's been done to it. So it's it's over. It's uh, finally over for it. So that's what happens to a lot of the bills. Is they they die there. OK. Um, <clears throat> excuse me. The rules for the the, the Senate and the, the House differ. Remember, the Senate is very formal. OK. Uh, excuse me. The, the House is very formal. I'm telling you wrong stuff now. Uh, the House is very formal because there's so many people. They have to have specific rules. They have to limit the debate. If they try to let everybody speak, all 435 of them speak, uh, there's no way to get any business done. So they limit the debate <clears throat> in the in the House. On the Senate side, remember, they have unlimited debate. And this affects each other because the House might pass something that gets hung up in the Senate through the, the rules. OK, so keep that in mind. That That's something that's kind of emphasized uh, is that the the different the differing rules on, on both sides uh, can affect, and we'll go through some of the stuff in just a minute, but uh, they can uh, affect the 
how something happened and on the Senate side. Maybe something gets through that gets hung up on the House side because of the germaneness rule or something like that. So uh, germaneness means that it has to the bills. If you're going to add something to a bill, it has to be on the same topic. OK, uh, so a couple things to go through here. Um, the roles, the, the main role to understand is the Speaker of the House. It's only on the House side. It's the most powerful position. Remember, they get to set debate schedules. They get to work and set committee members, uh, pick chair people. Uh, they're going to work closely with the Rules Committee. Remember, the Rules Committee is the most important committee on the House side uh, because they get to work with the, the Speaker on all that stuff, setting the, the debate schedule, setting the agenda. Um, they have a lot of responsibilities. And uh, if you want to be a big person in, in Congress on the House side, you want to be on that Rules Committee. OK, uh, the Senate is a little bit different. Remember, they have the president of the Senate who is never there. The vice president is in charge of the Senate, but he doesn't show up unless there's a tie. If there's a tie in the Senate 50 50, then uh, the vice president will show up to uh, take care of that. But uh, other than that, he's never there. So they have the president pro tempore, who is kind of an honorary position. It's more ceremonial. They don't run the, the Senate like the House does. Uh, you got the majority leader and the minority leader on the Senate side who are supposed to work together and set the schedule and, and set and, uh, things like that. The majority leader can really run things. He doesn't have to work with the minority leader if he doesn't want to, but kind of they're supposed to. All right. Uh, and then you got the the whips uh, who help the majority minority leaders on both sides. You have majority minority leaders on both sides. Remember, House and Senate. And uh, you have the whips on both sides. Uh, they're the ones that are going to be doing the, the groundwork, uh, going out to the different House members, the different senators, finding out how they're feeling about issues, how they're going to vote on certain issues and, and things like that. OK, uh, the Senate has the filibuster and the cloture. Remember, filibuster is an unlimited debate. You can get up there and you can talk as long as you want to. And the filibuster, uh, it's used as a political tool by the minority side to try and delay action on a bill. Remember, there's all kinds of bills that are out there uh, that are being uh, discussed and worked on. And if they're debating a specific bill for three, four weeks, that's delaying action on all the other stuff. And remember, they have to get stuff done by the end of their session. If it's not done by the end of their session, then it just dies. So this is why the filibuster is an important tool. Okay. Now you can stop a, a, a filibuster through the cloture vote. Remember, cloture vote is going to be taken and that is to end debate. So I'm up here talking, 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 talking. You want me to be to stop all right. You make a motion for a cloture vote. We're going to we're going to stop the debate for a little bit and we're going to have a vote. If 60 people say, yeah, let's end debate and let's vote on this issue. Then we stop debate. I'm done filibustering. I can't do anything about it. And then we vote on the issue. OK, so the cloture vote is important. And that's why the number 60 is important in the Senate, because then it's a supermajority and you can just do what you want to, because the other side can't filibuster or anything like that. OK, uh, hold unanimous consent. Those are just some some. Uh, Things that the, the Senate has uh, holds one senator can place a hold on a bill where, hey, let's stop it. It's not going to completely kill the bill, but they can stop it. It's once again to, to, to delay action. OK, uh, we talked about the Rules Committee, uh, the discharge petition. Uh, this is something that the House has where if something is sitting in a uh, in the in a committee and it's just sitting there, someone can make a motion for a discharge petition where let's bring it out, even though the committee hasn't done anything with it. Had the Senate had this with Obama's um, Senate nomina uh, Supreme Court justice nomination back in 16, uh, Merrick Garland, then they could have done a discharge petition. OK, let's bring his nomination out so the full Senate can vote on it. All right. Uh, and then the Senate, remember, is going to be the only ones to confirm appointments and treaties. 
All right. Um, they both deal with, with the budget. They'll both have to worry about the house is the only one that can start revenue and tax bills. Okay. Um, pork barrel legislation, log rolling. Uh, this is the log rolling is what really makes the Congress move and go. Uh, that's the, the favors that each that people do for each other. So I have a bill that I really want to get out there and get passed, but I need some support from the other side or from a, a fellow a fellow party member. I go to them and say, "Hey, look, I need help. If you'll support my bill, I'll support your bill, or I'll you know, vote no for that. Whatever whatever it is you need, you do favors for each other. And this can be between congressmen. It can be between the president and a congressman. Uh, any number of people. Pork barrel legislation. Uh, that is legislation and usually is going to deal with money and resources that are going to benefit only a certain area. So, you know, I like pork barrel pork legislation for me from my from my house position, my district. Uh, I want to get some money that's going to benefit only Gwinnett County. It's not going to help anybody else in the country. But, hey, I'm building a park over there. So it's going to provide a park. It's going to provide jobs uh, and all kinds of stuff. And I can go back to my constituents and I can say, hey, look what I did. So it's all about credit claiming. Uh, the pork barrel is most of it anyways. Okay. Uh, all right. <clears throat> uh, Congress can't have gridlock because of the different parties, the different ideas, the different ideologies that are there. Um, and we see this kind of in the house now where the, the Democrats are in control and the Republicans are the minority party. You had the, the Republicans in control previously or the Democrats being the minority. Uh, the, those divisions can get in the way. And, we, you know, there's the, a need for for compromise, which doesn't seem to exist right now. Uh, gerrymandering is a term you need to know. Remember, that happens when we redistrict uh, after the census. So uh, if Georgia gains people with the 2020 census, uh, we're going to have to redistrict because we can't fit 15 members of House into 14 districts. We have to change. Or if we lose people, we can't fit uh, 12 members of the House into 14 districts, so we're going to have to make some changes. Uh, gerrymandering is, you know, where you make the 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 districts to benefit you and your party. And uh, mainly, what you need to understand is some of the court decisions that have happened. Baker versus Carr happened a long time ago, 1960 or so. Uh, basically, the question was: uh, This is a Tennessee case. Uh, can um, or are the were the lines legal? And the question wasn't really about the, the the lines, but more so could the court be involved in uh, in those in the questions of uh, the districts? Okay, and um, they up to this point they had really said that's a political question, and the Supreme Court was supposed to stay out of trying to answer political questions. Um, but they decided in this that it did affect the 14th Amendment and equal protection issues and that the courts could begin to get involved uh, in those things. OK, uh, the other case you got to know is Shaw versus Reno. This is a 93 and it's in North Carolina and North Carolina had created some new districts. They created this one district uh, that was just along the interstate. OK, and five citizens said that that's unfair and uh, shouldn't be doing it. You're, you're violating the 14th Amendment equal protection. Uh, and the, the court had to answer the question of, you know, could the state or did the state create a racially gerrymandered district? And uh, they ended up saying yes, and they did. And they turned it back down to the, the lower courts to decide, you know, was there enough compelling evidence there? But uh, once again, they did decide that it was a racially gerrymandered district. Okay. 
Uh, you've got the three roles. They play trustee, delegate, and politico. Um, 